you know, if they're getting record revenue, they're doing something right. Well, um, they've got revenue. <laughs> they have revenue, full stop. <laughs> Which is always a start. <laughs> Radio Bruce News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are our proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week, a regular wrap-up of all that has made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views and the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, the chocolate chip cookie, Matt Kierkegaard, and ace reporter and senior journalist, the nitro-charged Claire <laughs> Boom Boom Burnett. G'day, guys. Hey Pete. Morning Pete. What's the chocolate chip cookie? Nice. Oh, I just I saw the uh, the latest uh, ABAC alert, shall we say? Um, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, right. The, the Ben and Jerry's uh, yeah, Four Pines in uh, chocolate chip. More, more grow inspired <laughs> nitro. If you want to find out what it's about, listeners, go jump in the Facebook group. Let's not plug it too much. <laughs> no. And still, and look, I'm going to one thing I will plug is Handsome Elvis which I think is one of the, not just one of uh, Bolter's best uh, releases, but and I, still I've, I had another four or five different iterations of various things since then, but that it is still the only nitro beer w- that I have had where I felt that the nitro added something good to the beer. Is it out? Have they re-released it? I haven't seen it. No, no, I'm saying it's 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 still the clubhouse leader. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like yeah, it's it's like the game's record holder just sitting in the stands going, "Nah, somebody will break my record eventually." But the I, four I points nitro stout beer was pretty good as well. I, I have to say, because it was a stout. It was, but I didn't I didn't feel it was better. Okay, the, the, the stout I thought was really good, but I didn't think it was better. Mm. Um, having said that, I probably realised I have um, uh, made a rod for my own back because I don't know that Handsome Elvis ever came out in a non-nitro version. Oh. So I don't know that I can compare it. But anyway, that beer, I just thought, you know what, this is really good. Yeah, so like, if it stands alone as a beer in that sense, you don't need to compare it to anything. You know, Zachary. If, if the point Ooh. of the beer. Now, w- while we're plugging things, Pete, I'm just going to, again, just on uh, like a, uh, what do they call it, a house announcement. Um, house announcement. Well, just up, up on my screen is, is an event, oh, okay. Professor Pilsner's Proliferation of Pills, uh-huh. um, which is... Um, <laughs> The only good beer week event that we've got anything vaguely to do with really this year. So, uh, have you booked a ticket? Are you coming down? Yeah, I'm coming down for Monday, the 17th of May. Oh, Um, thank you. It's taking place at Bad Shepherd, but if anyone, uh, any Melbourne listeners or any uh, national or even actually won't be international listeners, um, but any national listeners that are traveling to Melbourne for good beer week and want to swing by and have a, a beer with us, um, particularly a beer that we talk a lot about. Um, you've, in fact, brewed a special Pilsner for the event. Ooh. I don't want to say it's my greatest honour <laughs> because I've done so much uh, and be, and and this beer community has done so much for me. But uh, it, it's, look, it's a first. It's the first time that um, anyone's said, you know, we'd like to sort of honour you with a, um, a collaboration beer in your in your name, um, but it was it, it was also Derek contacted me because we've been mates for a long while, um, and um, I, I sort of I guess got to watch the the Bad Shepherd story evolve um, during lunch breaks at um, when we were stewards together at the AIBAs about a dozen years ago, um, and he I can still remember him you know popping the laptop open and showing me the you know this is the logo we're thinking of and one of these or something like this and here's the pictures of this uh, site that we're looking at. 
and, and now it's all real. And so Derek sort of said, you know, look, um, I know you, you love your pilsners and that sort of thing, and but also we were, we wanted to capture a bit of that. Um, I get the, the history and the story because at the end of the day, you know, beer is beer is beer is beer. You can get good beer a lot more places than than what you're used to. So this event's more about you know just sitting around and having a bit of a chat, um, bit of Q and A, and um, uh, and a rare treat for anyone who wants to come along and see an event at which I am not hosting. I'll be the <laughs> you're, you're I'll, I'll be in the mm-hmm. I'll be in the other seat. That's what I meant. We've got no. I can't remember the last time I didn't have any commitments um, other than just going and being, dare I say, it, a punter. Um, so, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really looking. And so you and I might actually be able to be at the same event and have a beer and a bit, exactly. a conversation together. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's called Professor Pilsner's Proliferation of Pills, Monday the 17th of May, uh, 7 to 11 p.m. Uh, it's, it's listed on the Good Beer Week website. Um, I think tickets are $40 and uh, includes you know, beers, etc. So um, Best good, week, good Beer Week value ever. Oh, mate. And <laughs> it, it, it'll be, you know, we can make it a, you know, without taking anything away from the event itself, it can also be a uh, Brews News um, meetup um, for anyone that's there and yeah, we might even be able to buy you a beer or something. I tell you what, I'll shout anyone who who wears their um their Brews News t shirt. <laughs> wear your Brews I'll News have merch. Or... I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll pay the excess luggage. <laughs> Do you remember the first year that we had bar blades and I had to lug them back? Oh well, I know that because you sent me. You said I'll oh, look for any Melbourne based stuff. You know, do you want to take some <laughs> take some bar blades, Claire? I tell you what, talk about excess baggage. I only ever take a backpack, and this thing was hanging around. I, I, I felt oh. like a a, a, um, a hip hop. Rapid do you know with me? Because you've essentially yeah. got <laughs> by the time you've got up. twenty or thirty, um, or I think it was like fifty bar blades, you've just basically got a chunk of stainless steel. Um, that, that you, yeah, you like a, an ingot. An ingot, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, I'll, I'll make sure that we have some dog bone bar blades. Anyone that comes along uh, on that night gets a free bar blade, and, and wear your bruised new shirt, um, or you know, even just sort of give the. And know, I'll, and I'll t- tap you your nose week. and uh, you know show that you're That's a listener. Right. Um, we'll give you a bar blade. Yeah, just say bruise news out of the side of your mouth. Bruise news. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of news, it's news. Now we cross live to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap-up of stories making news this week in beer. And Claire, we begin with a story that dispels the commonly held belief among flogs that more stone and wood is just too much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did hear that a lot, didn't we, earlier in the year? Um, stone and wood, uh, they've confirmed plans, so this has sort of been in the making for a long while now, um, and they've finally confirmed that uh, they are planning a $50 million expansion at Merwillambar. Um, how, how do you say that? Don't make me do it again. That was beautifully done. <laughs> Thank I think you. The, I even the locals just call it Merba. Yeah. Merba. See, I'd have to remember that then. Um, so the brewery plans to build a 200-heck uh, fully automated brew house uh, on the 34,000 square metre site that it purchased. So it's oh, – I didn't realise it had it that long. Four years. Um, my confusion is because Matt wrote this one. This is all, oh, do you, all do you want me to Matt. take it? Okay. I mean, you can if you want, yeah. yeah the, the Northern Rivers Brewery plans to build a 200 hectolitre fully automated brew house on a 34,000 square metre site that it purchased four years ago. The brewery's announcement did not include details of how it proposed to fund the expansion, though Jamie Cook, chairman of Stonewood's parent company, Fermentum, told Radio Brews News in January that it was considering a wide variety of sources, including a potential IPO. Now, the, the, the reason we cast the story that way was because, if you'll remember, back in January when Stonewood announced that it was taking over... Um, or buying or acquiring, whatever it was, two birds. Mm. Um, 
just the second part, it was kind of burying the lead because Stonewood also announced this brewery then. So, you know, our journalistic hearts were aflutter last week when suddenly started seeing media release pings, you know, media news pings in our search terms um, for Stonewood Announces Brewery. And so we went chasing the, the media release. And when we got the media release, it basically said the same thing, mm. um, only with added photos of Ross Jurisic and the local members. Um, and I, I think the real story is, um, you know, we, we covered it because there was coverage going out and a media release had gone out, but there was nothing new being announced <laughs> over what was said in January. Um, I think it was... There is some um, state and federal government monies going to go in, much the same as, which is good, given that we've seen the money go into breweries like Brewdog and uh, uh, you know, around the country, um, breweries have been getting um, investment from federal and state governments. And I think because of Probably that... Probably a bit more than that, do you think? Because I mean, like, was it... Kaiju got a few hundred thousand and Cheeky Monkey similar. I mean, let's let's I face wonder, it, they're a major employer in the in, in, in the north coast um, yeah. of, of New South Wales. Um, it's a regional area, you know, it's a it's a highly tourism mm. dependent um, you know, they, they certainly don't uh, create revenue through vaccination down that part of the world um, from doctors vaccinating because it's the anti vax capital of Australia. But <laughs> um, you know, like it, it's to have a major heavily sustainability focused industry that is a major employer you'd hope that government state and federal would um you know do that because it's would, creating would, with stone and wood matt would it also be i guess their their green credentials uh, if you like so would they be able to access um or, or would it be easier for them i guess to encourage grants based on you know solar power um you would certainly hope so pete yeah and, and well, i mean that's a big part of stone and wood's brand promise um is, yeah is those but it, the, the stuff that the, the i guess you know the average punter doesn't see um and on our visit up there i remember looking at just being really impressed by the um uh, the water recirculation uh you know, so the water processing and all of those pro- yeah things, recycling yeah. um you know the gray water into you know good stuff Absolutely. So, yeah. So, I mean, if, if, if you read this and had a sense of deja vu, it was because you were having, you had been there before. Um, we're breaking news for you <laughs> yeah. in January. Well, yeah. You heard it here first and then again. Second. And, you know, I think the subtext to it as well is, you know, because it, it, it seemed a little bit interesting when Stone and Wood was announcing purportedly, you know, the big news was the takeover of two birds that, you know, from my point of view, the biggest story was, you know, they also tacked on this announcement of a major brewery at the bottom of that same media release rather than do a, a separate media release. And I got the, you know, particularly when they were sort of saying, well, there's a potential IPO, you know, we're looking at funding sources. That, that to me, um, you know, was a little bit of you know, rattling the can. Um, so sort of yeah. looking for, you know, that there is this potential and just of seeing, you know, when you're, when you're, put up the flag you see who salutes and uh, you know did it bring out people who go look I really love the business guys I'd love to you know how can I buy in kind of thing so yeah I'm, I'm sure there was a little bit of that because um, if they're that advanced in their plans you'd, you'd sort of think that they would be looking you know heavily at funding but there's no announcement there yet so uh, that makes that makes good business sense though I guess oh, doesn't it? It's, mm-hmm. mate, it's yeah. an observation not a criticism as I love as love to say maybe we've got already got our show title <laughs> well, either that or is it going to go for a Game of Thrones sort of thing or something, mm-hmm. which I must say, I did win a, a, a point at uh, Ale Stars Trivia 
Um, it's, it's, it is a, a bit of an, an advantage because most of the questions that um, Shandy creates for uh, for the trivia he takes from um, either the Crafty Pint or Bruce News. So um, uh, <laughs> that's extremely helpful. I might go. <laughs> so Claire, uh, Moondog's Game of Thrones beers, not beer, but beers. Mm-hmm. Tell us more. Indeed. Uh, so uh, last week, Moondog released two new beers in collaboration with Warner Brothers Consumer Products. So what really caught out my eye here, we see the collaborations all the time, official and otherwise, uh, and just a lot of influence from pop culture on can design and things like that. We've talked about it before in relation to ABAC um, and just in terms of like stuff like Jedi Juice and all that kind of stuff. Um, but this one caught my eye because um, it was an official one. So Moondog was actually um, sort of contacted by Warner Brothers to say, you know, do you want to team up on some beers? Because it's their 10th anniversary, I think, uh, for the TV series. They're planning prequels and all that kind of stuff. So it was about getting a little bit of buzz around there. Um, but to me, it sort of highlighted, um, you know, the, not only the clout of the craft breweries, like the fact that Moondog actually got asked by Warner Brothers to do this, um, but the fact that they've got the capacity, the brand pull, um, all that kind of stuff to be able to do this. And often, you know, brewers don't necessarily ask the IP owner uh, if they can borrow their IP, their copyrighted material, their lo- like, not their logos. I think that's probably going too far even for some craft brewers. Um, but it was just a really interesting one. It brought up a load of issues about um you know ip ownership trademarks um appeal to miners <laughs> yes <laughs> we, all the good stuff we haven't well, seen, do, miners, do miners watch game of thrones i hope they bloody don't um but all these sorts of things i, I saw my facebook feed this week obviously a shipment of international beers has come in and there's a number of stormtrooper um mm. focus beers and the big selling point of these beers um was that they were officially licensed Stormtrooper <laughs> beers. So, so, so they were, yeah. they had the official licensing around it. So Because so, Lucasfilm is very strict about its IP in America particularly. Um, and, I mean, that was the other thing. I spoke to James Omond, um, fantastic. We always have him on. He's great with all the trademark and the IP stuff. Um, That's his job. It's, he's good. He's if good. You, if you want to protect your trademark, give him a call. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's an unpaid ad. <laughs> Um, but he's fantastic. Um, and I basically said to him, like, why do we not get as many sort of cease and desists over in Australia as like the US bros do necessarily, even though, you know, arguably we do a lot of the similar things to them in terms of borrowing IP and riffing off uh, pop culture elements and things like that, be it an actual person like Biggie or be it a film like Star Wars um we we do it a lot we've taken that from sort of the US brewers and and we riff off it uh and he said well there's a lot of reasons um but one of them could potentially be that in um America you have to sign up to this list it's called cola I can't remember exactly what it stands for now um but basically if you design a package um for alcohol you have to register it so it makes this searchable list for of all these different um beers that and their design elements their name um and that makes it really searchable for these ip owners whereas over in australia if you trademark something um that's when it becomes a searchable thing obviously the major ip owners uh will have a watching service on the trademarks um on ip australia and if you want to keep an eye on your own personal trademarks mm. breweries, uh, subscribe to Australian <laughs> Brewers News because we, um, on our Brewery Pro, we do keep track of all of the things that are being registered um, because it's time-consuming, trust me, uh, we mm. pay someone to do it, to go through and keep track of all of the IP yeah. registrations. really interesting, aren't they, to see who's doing what. To, and to see who's doing what. You can often like see it a lot 
earlier than anybody actually announces anything. Mm. We've seen that before, haven't we? But it was even um, it brought to our attention that you know, like Marie Claire Jarrett, who's written for us, writes for Crafty Pint, now works uh, New, New South Wales, New, New South Wales. Uh, yeah, so she had been writing. Um, you know, she was an early uh, beer blogger. Had been writing under the uh, you know pseudonym uh, or the brand Nom de Plume. Um, uh, nom de plume and nom de guerre, um, uh, New South Wales, and somebody then tried to register that. And even though she'd never protected her trademark, um, or she'd never sort of trademarked that, obviously she had an investment in it and uh, um, sought to protect that. I think it was, I think it might have been James Oman that helped her out because I. Uh, did bring it to her attention and she asked for a recommendation. And apart from, so we've got to consider too that like the emotional investment that you get in, in, in a, you know, whether it's a, a beer name or a, a brand or anything like that, um, having to, to then go, you know, backtrack or, you know, to find down the track that somebody else has either then started using it or you've happened to use something that already exists. So being able to sort of, yeah, check out on, on Bruce News whether something exists or not. Um, I, you notice I didn't say it can be expensive to have to change your labels because if you call one three hundred eight five two two three five and speak to the guys at Rellings Labels, Stickers and Packaging, um, you'll find that it's not actually as expensive as you think to um, uh, to change your labels or get new labels done, you know, depending on yeah, all sorts of different labels that you want to have. And, guys, do you know um, Good Beer Week is coming up very soon, um, which means the AIBAs. And there's a packaging and uh, label uh, trophy. I think it's called Best Best Design um, uh, slash lab, uh, Label slash Surface. So it's it's for either you know cans or um, bottles, but also um, you know six pack holders or ten pack holders or cartons and, and all that sort of thing. And so Brad and Paul at Rowling's Label Stickers and Packaging are very much looking forward to catching up with all of our listeners at this year's AIBAs. They'll be down for it. Um, they've signed up to sponsor. They're actually sponsoring the Best Design um, Label Surface Trophy at this year's awards, um, and they've um, love to support the industry that has supported them so well over the past few years. So they'll also be at BrewCon up your way, Matt, um, in September, be. which will be exciting. So if you'd like to discuss any uh, labels, any stickers, packaging, uh, anything to do with that, um, give them a call, one three hundred eight five two two three five. We might have to give them some bar blades. So if anyone meets them at the AIBAs and says, I listen to the podcast. I'm not sure. I listen to it. Yeah, I heard about you on Bruce News. <laughs> oh, yeah, have a bar blade. <laughs> That, if that doesn't attract the um, attention of security, I don't know what will. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, we have lots of whispering out the sides of mouse and then and then passing of things. Seamlessly um, done, Pete. Did you like that one? I was pretty pretty happy with that one. <laughs> I was wondering where it was going to come through. Um, Claire, yes, Mighty Craft have recorded revenue growth. They have indeed record revenue growth. In record fact. revenue revenue <laughs> recorded record revenue growth. <laughs> that was good. Well done. Take it away. Um, indeed. So Mighty Craft. Accelerator, uh, hospitality venue owner, um, record revenue growth for their third quarter for this year. Um, they're still making a loss of one point four million um, on their operating activities, uh, which brings the year to date loss to nine million. So it does sound like a lot, um, but again, <laughs> so, sorry, <laughs> it's only a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Sure, you can put it in context. Well, yeah. I I've mean, got, relatively, guys, I've got I've got Kent, Kent Grogan on the other line who just said, <laughs> "Hold my beer." <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. And this is the thing, like when you look at it just as the numbers, you think, Oh, not sure about that. But 
because it's Minecraft, it's a pit. We've said it before. It's a period of growth. You have to invest money to make money, and this is what they're doing at the minute. Um, and obviously, the point is that you know, if they're getting record revenue, they're doing something right. Well, um, they've got revenue. <laughs> they have revenue. Full stop. <laughs> Which is always a start. <laughs> All yeah, woodworkers exactly. know the old adage that the key to a good finish is good preparation. <laughs> there you so go. you've, you've got to have a good platform. You got to build exactly. off, and, and then good things will come. That's it. Um, and actually, a standout area of growth for them has been RTDs and spirits which I mean I wasn't shocked because obviously we've seen a lot of that going on in the industry but considering that how much weight that Minecraft have put behind they did a nosh boozy seltzer which I know Matt would love um, and things like that like they're really investing in that area and they've seen apparently exponential growth um, the nosh seltzer I think it made $400,000 in it or $500,000 in its first four months which is pretty bloody good considering there's how many there are in the market as I say though, I don't know why you name check me because I have no issue with <laughs> se- I have no issue with seltzer I meant boozy oh boozy okay yes <laughs> sorry yeah. uh, of course but yes, of course. yes my heart does break a little bit <laughs> Um, so yeah a few interesting things a little bit on wider industry trends on the seltzer front and things like that Um, and their hospitality venues apparently Slipstream uh, despite having just opened recently is doing really well Um, obviously they were a venue before um, they're not starting from scratch but doing really well as is Ballistic I think they're um, two like Mooney Ponds and the Hunter Valley potentially not doing so well so they're at 70% of pre-COVID levels but that's to be expected. They're developing the brand. Um, people don't know them. Lots of the, the brewery venues were there were existing anyway, apart from Dramana um, for Jetty Road. So just a few interesting bits and bobs um, on the Mighty Craft front. And we wish them luck. We do. And again, like <laughs> it's still, it, 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 it's one of those endlessly fascinating, you know, case studies, just things to watch as the, the brewing industry matures and we're seeing people try out different models. And, you know, this is a fairly unique model where you've got, a publicly listed company investing to varying levels and in varying ways and with varying levels of control over you know a wide range of breweries um, and one of the things that is always drummed into you know brewers is it's got to be scale got to be scale beer is a unit cost game all of those things when they've got you know their seven or eight partner breweries all of which are expanding and all of which are having um, investment into them I it's going to be really interesting to see where that scale comes from because, you know, if you've got three breweries all with a tearaway beer um, that exceeds the capacity of that venue, they, there is no central production facility within that group that can take over the contracting of that beer, you know, as centralised contra- contracting. So they'll still be using external contract brewers if they need to, or investing in their own brewery, which is a very, very capital-intensive business. So, yeah, um, it's it's really going to be interesting to see how Mighty Craft achieves that scale, um, even as they do grow their um, revenues. Yeah, Uh, and shout-out to Jetty Road too. Um, I picked up – we had a a birthday celebration around here for the eldest Pilsner, um, and I grabbed some Jetty Road draft – um, that is like for a, just a very simple no fuss beer, absolute cracker. Ooh. I don't know. I don't. I don't. You know, wax lyrical about beers very often, um, but sometimes you know, in, just I think when you just go in into a beer with moderate modest expectations, but then you go, this is a lot better than this. This does more than it promises on the tin. Um, I think oh, that's yeah, it's, that's that's worth mentioning. So I'd quite like um, to see their new lawn site as well. I think that would be interesting. 
That's an interesting. That'll be a really interesting one. Yeah, because mm. it's it's one of those areas that's that's heavily dependent on. Or it, sorry, historically has been very heavily dependent on tourism, mm. but uh, even pre-COVID was becoming more of a a, a live-in destination. So you know, I'll get away from the you know Melbourne's increasing um, density and and places like Lawn and Ocean Grove and other places down on the the surf coast uh, have just sort of seen a, a rise in, um, in in value uh, of housing and land and, and that sort of thing because more people are rather than it being you know uh, shacks on the hill you know with a, a 10 minute walk to the or five minute walk to the beach it's now um, you know becoming uh, more of a hub so I, I think they'll do a lot better than they would have, say, 10, 15 years ago because I, I think they'll have more year-round. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. We don't see that change in winter. No, exactly. Cool. Now, speaking of strong growth, Claire, mm. uh, good drinks. We seem to be – this seems to be a little bit um, of a theme as well on um, Bruce Newsweek. It does, yeah. I mean, when quarterlies come out on the ASX, they all come in one batch, basically. So we're looking forward to brew soon. Um, and then tomorrow afternoon, it'll be five o'clock. I'll be at the pub and I'll be like, <laughs> fudging, fudge. <laughs> I don't have to get back on my laptop. Um, but yeah, so they all just come out in one go. Um, you just do it, roll with the punches. Um, but good drinks, yes. Yeah, so, parent company of Gage Roads, uh, Matzo's. Hello Sunshine, a bunch of brands, um, has basically had a, is on track for a really strong full year result. Um, brand in hand segment, so that's like the venues and things obviously been affected by COVID even now um, with lots of restrictions ongoing and the, obviously the recent closure um, of Perth just indicates that, you know, we're not out the woods yet. Um, we could still face a little bit of that. But otherwise, all good on the good drinks front. Um, it's nice to, again, nice to see, as, as with Marty Craft, see what they're up to, see what they're doing um, in a little bit more detail than you usually get um, just because they have to uh, post the ASX. Um, total sales volumes are up to $12.8 million, um, which is good, which means that they're on track for their like goal, I think, oh, I can't remember now, 17 Million. But also they had um, their highest ever weekly output achieved, um, 600,000 litres in one week, which is absolutely flabbergasting considering so many brews don't even scratch that um, in a year. Uh, so really, yeah, really interesting. Um, good good on them. I'm just checking to see because it was interesting. It was, a, you know, they were really trumpeting their results. It was as much a, you know public relations document as it mm. was a... It's an investor presentation. It's an so, investor yeah. presentation, <laughs> but, um, you know... So nice flog voice too, Claire. Claire we'll add <laughs> yeah, that one into the, uh, into the archives. I'll like. give it a go. <laughs> you two do it so often. Um, yeah, it, you know, very much spruiking their results. Um, it, it's been interesting to see, though, that the share price hasn't really gone up like it's it never uh, does with gauge it's really odd it's so strange i think oh. i did an article when I, when we first started and it was basically about why gauge isn't like given its true value in in our eyes obviously like we all look at it and think you're doing really well it's just why not seen as cool working? enough no well no i, I, no, I don't know. think it's that because i don't or think does it, it, does it like a public figurehead no but do do investors whether they're um what do they call them the institutional mm, investors, investors or you know investors, self-managed yeah. super funds and all those sorts of things mm-hmm. is there not sort of oh, it's beer so let's just kind of hang off on it. Or is it because they don't have uh, – and look, I'll use a James Watt as a – you know, like they don't have like a figurehead. They don't have somebody that they can, um, you know, go to for, you know, it's always, you know, a spokesman said or 
the whatever reported. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't sure. think they've got what, what that. What do you guys think? I, well, I think that's what this investor presentation is about, is about making them look um, sexy and sizzling and to, to, to bring that level of attention and, and attraction to them. I think there's still yeah. a legacy um, of an underperforming business for such a long time, particularly a lot of their expansion has been funded by diluting shareholders' value. You know, they, they issue more shares um, in order to achieve the things, which means that, you know, shareholders have seen their you know, their share of the company and the, the value of their investment reduced, um, even though the business has gotten bigger, which is it, it, the same thing as, uh, you know, Brew has been doing. Brew just keeps issuing as many shares as it's allowed to um, and flogging them off to fund buying the beer that it's making, whereas Gage Roads has actually been investing in the business and growing it and we're seeing the results. And we didn't see that with the, obviously, big venue in Fremantle. Mm. They didn't do a share a uh, capital raise after they announced that which maybe says indicates to investors like we that's not going to happen necessarily every single time something big happens in future mm. our shares get diluted so potentially if they go on with that track and and sort of show investors that that won't be the case going forward that they can find additional funding without sort of tapping into the um ASX then hopefully We'll see it go up, but again, it's still, it's still really <laughs> but small listeners, fry. If you want to invest in a brewery mm-hmm. and actually get, you know, do, you know, dollar for dollar value, <laughs> yeah. um, maybe going? not a t-shirt, maybe not five percent discount, but you know, gauge might be, you know, at ten cents a share. <laughs> um, you, you know. You at might, least a safe bet. <laughs> you might actually see a return. But Matt, I can get 10 brew shares for that. <laughs> well, that that's, that's your choice, and Matt. As our listeners know, we made a profit from brew as well. I still haven't been able to buy back in. Um, Have you not? No. I wonder if you've got a ban on you. Well, no, because the, the share price has... I'm, I'm not going to buy in at 1.8 at 1. cents. I'm not waiting that's until disgusting. it gets down yeah, to 1.5 totally. again. <laughs> so I can lock in my uh, profit. Brilliant. Uh, dear. Uh, and, and look, just to clarify what Matt said then too, because Matt, when you said it, uh, in my left ear, what was my that? left hand, I heard you saying uh, diluted, but then it processed in my right ear that you'd actually said diluted. diluted. Yeah. <laughs> it was just one of those things where I thought I'd better just clarify that in case people were listening just going, what do you mean the investors were dilu- saw, their, saw their investment diluted? <laughs> but it was di- diluted. Um, do you think, just quickly on that before we move on, mm. but despite COVID, you know, the headline is despite COVID, they did well. Uh, was there um, the whole um, deal at uh, at the stadium? Oh, the brand in hand. Yeah. Mm. So, so, yeah, so well, that was that was down. So I think. So, yeah. yeah. So that would have been. Yeah. I wonder. Product was up and in states that had open bars for a significant portion. Um, you know, did well, but yeah. I, so it'd be I, interesting to see if people go back to back to the stadiums and they they get the confidence up and they're allowed back to you know to watch football, cricket, rugby league, whatever it might be, in large numbers. Um, you know, do, the the breweries that have have that uh, you know brand in hand experience at the venue, um, how it improves. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure they must they must use a lot of malt. You see where I'm going with this? Mm. Um, lots of malt and hops as well. Um, so much so that you'd probably think that their supplier would uh, need a bigger warehouse. Uh, Claire, <laughs> in unrelated news, Cryomalt invests in major <laughs> warehouse expansion. They have indeed. A little bit of a double whammy on the malt front this week, actually, as well. Uh, Cryomalt is opening a new distribution centre in Greater Melbourne. Um, they basically picked the location. It's near the port. It's um, got good links to, you know, other places. It's 
pretty central to Melbourne. Um, and it's also a good um, place to export to New Zealand. So location, location, location. Um, that worked out really well. And it will also be their new head office. Uh, so it's their first self-operated distribution centre as well, which I think is really interesting. Um, they relied on third-party logistics operators before that. Um, so bringing it in-house means you've just got greater control over what goes on in that warehouse and where everything goes and things like that, which is essential. And, you know, I spoke to David Cryer and he was just like, yeah, it's, it'll be nice to have that control, um, cold and ambient storage. And you know that it's going to be stored well and to your standards effectively. Um, but it also means for brewers that it could potentially be cheaper because they'll just get all their malt, yeast, etc. on the I think on they're the also pallet. putting in a bulk bagging facility as well. Also, you know, so I believe something like that. Yeah. yeah so, exactly said. Um, yeah. So, it, like, it's it, it really ramping up uh, what they can do um, as a distribution. Obviously, Cry Malt sponsor this podcast, um, but it is good news. Um, irrespective of that. It's nice to actually be able to mention Cryomalt and not have to say, and this is, you know, sponsored content, this is, you know... I yeah, do feel well, not just news, news, but good news. That's Great why news. I wanted to say that because Cryomalt, I, I, I don't think they have ever once asked us to mention something in, you know, the seven years that they've been sponsoring the podcast. I don't think they've ever once picked up the phone and said, look, would you mind just sort of saying this on the podcast <laughs> um, or not saying this on the podcast? And, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, they give us pretty free reign, don't they? So when nice. this appears, it is genuine news. And, it, yeah. look, it, it, it's really exciting, and I think it's one of the... It, it's one of the tales, um, and this will lead into the, the, the Galaxy um, or the, the, the Hop Products Australia report as well, but craft beer and... The growth of small breweries is one of the great unsung stories of the, the beer industry because you look at this level of investment, investment, and you know we're also aware of other significant investments, not just Stone and Woods or you know other um, you know growers, brewers, makers, logistics companies that are investing just purely on the back of craft beer. You know it, it, it really is an important store, part of the story of why. You know, small regional brewers are important. Yep, hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. While we're on the malt theme, mm. Claire bought yeah. malt yep. NV uh, set to reopen a South Australian malt house. Yeah, so I believe they acquired a set in twenty nineteen. Um, I didn't know a lot about the history. I don't know if you guys remember that. I think it was I just started, so I wasn't. Yeah, I know that because um, and uh, what was their name? Um, I, I spoke to the then general manager of Joe White. Uh, no, well, because they were That's part of the group. Yeah, so yeah, there was a yeah. sale and oh. a multi was close. So again, reopening, um, re- investing, yeah. and reopening, which is um, fantastic. What does that say about demand for it now as well? Like they must. That will take a lot to restart the whole thing again after what a year or mm, and, so and a lot of competition in in the malt space as well because you've mm. got you know small craft maltsters doing very well you know uh, you've got coopers has a significant maltings that's uh, operating at capacity so yeah there is a lot and it's a, again going back to that quite apart from the investment the brand story that you're able to talk about you know Australia grows some of the best malting barley in the world um, and it makes great beer so you know being able to talk about locally malted, you know, product. Especially interesting with the Chinese tariff things going on. So clearly they're not taking a huge hit on the barley front. Is there a feeling that perhaps we need to, you know, um, and, and I wonder if this will open the floodgates to more manufacturing in Australia to sort of, I mm. guess, um, shore up that, that security 
um, of supply, not having to rely on uh, you know on a single buyer or whatever it might be. Well, actually, that, that is a good point. Something that maybe we can look into because I've never, I've, I don't know whether we sell the malting barley overseas or whether we export the malt. You know, whether it's a value add here or whether we send the barley over. So that's I think it's a little bit of everything because yeah. they use the lower quality barley for animal feed and then the high quality for brewing and beers pretty big in China mm. so you know we'll see well I'll have a look I'll, yeah, I'll I look into it because I know that when we've asked at the height of COVID last year which was also the height of the um, you know China tensions mm. raising we were trying to find out um, when embargoes or you know tariffs were put on Australian barley and it was one of those ones that it was very hard to get on the record comment about what mm, the impact was. Yeah, nobody was wanting to mention anything. And I think part of that is because the fear of repercussions. You know, yeah. If anybody says anything and you, and you look at um, what happens federally, if mm. a minister or a head of department says anything, suddenly there's a, a backlash. And mm-hmm. so you do wonder about that. But it sounds like other markets, because our barley is so good, other markets have opened up. And also there is increasing demand in, in Australia from the sound of it. But again, we'll... We'll, that, look we'll look into that we'll for a story. Yeah. Uh, now, our favourite, every year, Matt, we look forward to the uh, HPA <laughs> Hop Report. Which is now live uh, at 9.33 on uh, – sorry, Peter, I wasn't able to get you on. It was a very last-minute thing that I did with Owen Johnson yesterday. So uh, it went live at 9.30 this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is fantastic, good. Yeah. good stuff. Uh, Galaxy Yield for the 11th year on the up. Uh, which is fantastic. Although they did make the exception that in 2016, wasn't it, where they had that hail damage? Um, so it's which is a little bit different, yeah. A little bit different, um, but yeah, basically, Galaxy still going strong. Um, an increase um, and a 25. Although this was the interesting bit, and I don't know how much you want to talk about it, Matt. Uh, well, do you go listen to the podcast. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather it came say. from OJ. So yeah. the, the, the headline is. Tonnage is up across everything except Ella, um, which went backwards and they haven't even uh, – HPA, you know, talk a lot about how when they do their forward contracting, they are very conservative on the amount that they contract to make sure they can supply it. But Ella has gone below their contracted volume, so they are working with their customers. Um, go listen to the podcast to, to hear all of that and the, the, the reasons behind it, the agronomics. Um, it, it's, you know – when, when you dig into it, it is a very interesting subject and makes, you know, we, we talk about, you know, when we're standing in the hop field, how you realise that hops is an agricultural product and which is a very superficial, visceral thing. When you look at the things that hop growers like HPA are juggling, you know, it was a La Nina year, um, added cloud, cloud cover, kept the temperatures down, all of this, you realise that we really are dealing with an agricultural product. Um, the one thing that, from a historical point of view, Pete, that I found really interesting was it was the first year that there was no super pride. Um, you know, I think it was 2017 that we talked with OJ about Pride of Ringwood being discontinued in favour of the um, Super Pride. Super Pride, yep. Um, you know, so so those commodity lower value, lower not value, you know, lower um, uh, financial yield um, commodity crops um, have finally been discontinued, and HPA uh, is a hundred percent aroma variety um, grower. Um, mm. And even for for those who picked it up uh, when I spoke to uh, Young Henry's a couple of weeks ago, um, they 
mentioned that they'd been in conversation with um, HPA about the future of Cascade. And then uh, when I spoke to uh, Russ Gosling at Little Creatures, he talked about the you know, real difference between Australian-grown Cascade and American Cascade, which he described as the difference between Donald Trump and Cape Blanchett. Ooh. Um, just in terms of the refinement that comes mm. from Australian Cascade. So, you know, there is a bit of pressure on the, you know, from from a, a select number of brewers for whom Australian Grown Cascade is in is in integral in their beers. But then also, um, you know, if Galaxy has to grow if Eclipse, which, you know, has eclipsed the market. You see what uh, I did there. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, th- th- they need acreage for places. So it's product, I, I guess it's, um, you know, uh, hops like Super Pride that get grubbed out um, and to make way for other, other hops. So, yeah, yeah look, really, really fascinating stuff. And it really highlights too that you, you, you touched on there that, um, you know, all these different ingredients and, uh, you know, Richard Benny has spoken about, you know, lager. Uh, yeast as being um, another colour in the in the artist's palette, which which makes us realise that you know brewing really good beer is considered artistry by brewers. Um, polishing that art and expanding for the future is made easier with fluidic controls and automation of your processes, which enables more time for craft brewing. Um, of you know density and flavours instead of just stirring the mix, and this is where Burkett fluid control systems can assist. Burkett supports their Australian customers with a single cable technology for future proofing their tomorrow. Now that's smart. Uh, go to www.burkett.com.au forward slash en. That's Burkett. B u r k e. I would say seamless, Pete, but is seamless trademarked by? You know, uh, yeah. our good friends at Rallings, <laughs> or is seamless trademark to our podcast? You know, just the way we seamlessly integrate these things. Oh, seamless integration. Maybe <laughs> we can look at uh, James Omon, James Omon, James Omon. Um, <laughs> help us out here. Yeah. Um, he doesn't sponsor, to, but it's still seamlessly of it. integrated. Yeah, the metaproprisms and uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, everything else. Uh, a sad news to finish. Yeah, look, um, major New Zealand craft brands Liberty and 8 Wide have been hit by the shock news. Their distributor Quench Collective has gone into liquidation, owned by Hawke's Bay Winery Sacred Hill. Quench owes unsecured creditors $3.16 million. The first liquidators report says Sacred Hill's majority owner David Mason told Stuff uh, NZ uh, he was confident most creditors would be paid. So just, just again, yeah, just um, again, one of those little things that... There's always a media release about an opening, never about a closing. So mm. thank you to Michael uh, Donaldson for just sort of filing that little thing. Um, and I think, too, does it kind of highlight that, um, you know, it's the swings and roundabouts or, you know, it, it's your, your curse and your um, your cure. New Zealand, I guess, was able to uh, buffer themselves, particularly COVID, you know, given the, the very small population and um, a small island and <laughs> massive isolation. But at the same time, you know, we looked at, um, we saw that Behemoth Brewing uh, has ceased production into Australia uh, as a result of, of COVID and the increasing costs and, you know, the bubbles and bans and, uh, you know, border closures and that sort of thing. Is this a, a similar I, I, kind I, of situation? I couldn't comment um, on it. I think, you know, distributing beer, um, when, when people look at the price of beer in a bottle shop and say, you know, craft beer is pretty expensive. Um, it's, it's because every step of the way tends to be 
much smaller scale and therefore much more expensive. That's particularly in Liberty's case why they did a deal with with hawkers to produce some of their beers over here because it was it was just so much cheaper than and you speak to David Cryer again who um, knows full well that I think the Trans Tasman route is one of the more expensive um, routes in the world. Oh wow, I didn't know that for, for such a short yeah. Yeah, it's quite choppy, yeah. isn't it? Actually, I, I was <laughs> this just to completely disappear. I, I, I'm down a rabbit hole. I, I was actually watching a YouTube documentary about you know long distance plane travel and why there are so few successful, um, cheap, long distance budget carriers. Budget carriers, but there are a lot of small regional ones. Um, and part of the reason for that is because if you think of the costs of flying. Once you've taken off and once you've landed, you know, a, a lot of the costs are there. Um, but the in-between is the same for everybody, you know, because the, the amount of fuel that you burn is the same uh, for, for everybody. So you can't really reduce the costs. You know, you, you, you can't put a cheaper fuel in your plane um, when you're flying uh, over the yeah. Pacific. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, once you've um, taken the cost of, uh, you know, checking your own baggage, not assigning a seat, you know, having the shit fight to get overhead lockers because no one wants to pay the extra to check their bags and those sorts of things. The actual flight, the actual cost of flying um, ends up being about the same. So I wonder whether shipping, because it's such a short route, you don't get the benefits of, I don't know. Anyway. That, that may be what it is. Yeah, and I guess also because there's, I guess, so much stuff, yeah, travels between. Anyone in the logistics and, business, yeah. and I know that there are a lot of you listening. Um, Rick Dexter. Drop, drop us a note. Uh, actually, actually, wait till below the fold and we'll talk about um, how you can drop us a note in the mailbag. Oh, there we go. Speaking of which, we're about to go below the fold and uh, drop stuff or pull stuff out of the mailbag that you've dropped into it, listeners. Uh, but for those who need to go now, that was the news. So there's your wrap-up of the week's news, um, proudly presented by Cryomalt and Burkett Fluid Control Systems and Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging. Uh, thanks very much, Matt. Thanks very much, Claire. Thanks, Pete. Cheers, Pete. Thanks very much to all those listeners who need to go now. Off you go. And we're out. But now we're back with Below the Fold. And we'd like to open Below the Fold with the mailbag. Now, don't forget, you can send us an email. You can uh, drop us a letter. You can uh, comment on the things in the Facebook page. What's the Facebook page I hear you say? Well, it's a group. Um, just search Radio Brews News uh, and use the password Soapbox. Uh, you don't have to type it out of the side of your mouth, but it, it's <laughs> or, more fun. Well, you can it's do what a lot of way. people have done. I have no idea. <laughs> so I think we got mentioned in a um, in a, a, another Facebook beer group. Brisbane beer barons, I think, might yeah. have. And yeah. some had a had a flood of people. That, that, yeah, who well, had no though. idea. So yeah, soapbox just gives us a rough idea of the percentage of people who are interested. Subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcasting app. Because um, at the end of the day, it costs nothing and it helps other beer lovers discover the podcast and it gets uh, you know us into more ears. And we haven't had a review for quite some time, so we're feeling a little bit unloved. Well, maybe everyone has reviewed. Well, the, the people who have just come in, don't do not do it on the first one because you might go, oh, it was shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if they do, that's a continuous improvement. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, do what you do. You, know, you don't go to a, a brewery or a, a bar or a, a restaurant on the first day and go, you know, this is how I'm going to judge them for the next 20 years. Give them a couple of goes to, you know, bet it in and whatever. Um, and just say nice things, all right? Would it, would it kill you? Um, Matt? Just a, a, a last-minute email that came <gasps> in that you are going to be particularly interested in. Is it a um, mailbag sponsor? 
Well, it says, <laughs> with the Trans-Tasman travel bubble opening up and Pete making such a great pitch each week, <laughs> we are pleased week. to announce that the New Zealand Ale Trail has come on board as a sponsor of the mailbag. Hey! Oh, there we go. Head to www.nzaletrail.com. And I'm, I, I, as they say in the classics, cover your ears, kids. I shit you not, Pete. This is... Uh, has come from you talking about it and uh, the, the um, New Zealand Ale Trail thinking, hey, this is perfect. Um, it is perfect for us because if you're going to write home about something, if you're going to send an email to uh, Brews News about anything, it will be the time you spend on the New Zealand Ale Trail. Um, head to www.nzaletrail.com, uh, link in the show notes, or at NZ Ale Trail on social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand. The interactive map means you can plan your journey around New Zealand and be sure to find quality Kiwi beer from Invercargill to Northland. NZ Ale Trail is a refreshing way to see New Zealand, or something along those lines, um, <laughs> is, is, is what the email said. So, uh, Pete, yeah. Oh, there we go. Isn't well, that very exciting? Well, welcome. welcome aboard. Ask and you shall receive. And uh, I, I think if we can coin another, you know, like seamless phrase, it really does sound like something to write home about. Yeah, we'll get something in there. That's excellent. I'd, well, here's the thing. I did not know that there was a, a New Zealand ale trail. There is. Yeah, no, and big, now I do. Big part of what the Brewers Guild of New Zealand do is promoting, uh, you know, the, the, the breweries that are members um, and the, the ale okay. trail. And is... I very much look forward in two weeks' time to catch up with, speaking of uh, New Zealand brewers, uh, Craig Bowen who's coming out for the, um, I don't know how he might be sneaking in on a, um, a shipment of hops maybe or prior <laughs> malt malt um, to, again, head up the uh, back of house, the, the chief judge, chief steward at uh, the Australian National Beer Awards, judging in two weeks' time. Oh, beautiful. There we go. Nice one. Now, below the fold, kick us off. Uh, what have we got there, uh, um, Claire? What have we got? We've got a few bits today, actually. I did see a fridge that was covered in takeout menus. Yeah. <laughs> so Nikolai Garcia McCarran, great name, uh, is your fridge covered in takeout menus Have you <laughs> that you haven't looked at in three years? Have you ever really used the magnetic rendition of the yellow pages from your local MP? Or are your souvenir magnets falling apart? You may want to contact Rolling St- <laughs> Label Stickers and Packaging on 1300 852 235. They might be able to assist you in wrapping your fridge in funky beer labels. I wonder how many beer labels are on my fridge. And they sent a picture of the fridge with an absolute ton of them. That's a good idea. I like that. I wonder if Nikolai Garcia McCarran is related to Grant McCarran. And it's, ah, he's ah, just trying to get an extra barbell. Right. I'm, I'm sure we'll uh, have an email uh, about yeah. that by next week. But yeah, no, it was a lovely photo of a. Uh, <laughs> Mine's not as good as that, but I have. Started. You couldn't. You couldn't see the fridge for labels. No, you could not. That's good. Again, I love the way that our advertising just you know. I know it gets into people's brains. People don't look at a fridge anymore and think you know, gee, I could just stick something on that. They, they look at it and they go, "There's a billboard, Rallings label stickers." I wonder if Rallings could do the. Wraps for cars, you know, so you could sort of get your brand on a on, on a car. Well, is it just one? Is it just one big, um, you know, wrap uh, label for a beer can? Is mean? it just a bigger version? I think so. Anyway, yeah, it looks like it. Anyway, anyway we, we've done sorry, the rallying ad, we but uh, yeah, we, we've made that. <laughs> oh, we, we, we've done two, and the listeners have already done one. <laughs> and, and below the folders just started. Um, uh, regarding uh, beer is conversation. Yeah, Nic- uh, Nikolai. Sorry, that Nikolai continues. In regards to Matt Breen's experience in getting a dodgy four-pack, if you remember that, um, you oh, know, the, dis- the know, discount one. Yeah, so it was like a discounted four-pack, you know, four different beers. Mm. Uh, he said one was great, one was a sink pour, one was 
uh, and they're all they're all in date, but they were close to, I think. No, no, I don't think. I, I think he just said that the they were all in date, date, so they yeah. should have been fine. Yeah, they're all in date. The brewers knew yeah. their product; they should have been fine. Cool. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, Nikolai says uh, for me personally, half the fun is finding the gold. So having a few bad beers here and there is worth the slog. Interesting. Um, but he says thinks um, it depends on where you go in and whether you're willing to take that gamble. Probably better to go to a specialist craft beer store and ask for assistance. Regardless, though, it does suck if you get a dud, let alone three. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Makes sense. Um, and, and that but, was just a random... And, and that's what shop, we talk about. You know, like your mileage will vary. Some people, it is the, the, the thrill of the hunt. But I would argue that people like Matt are at the pointy end and they know the risks. They, they probably, you know, the, the fact that they're on the Radio Brews News Facebook page shows that, you know, I, I bet that would be one of a number that he would follow. Um, you know, and, and, and so you're aware of the risk you, you, and you knowingly go in knowing that, you know, worst case you have a sink pour that you can, you know, <laughs> post on social media and that's, you know, justifies it. If you are sitting there, you know, if you've turned up at a barbecue with a couple of mates and wanting to show off your latest craft beer purchase and you pour something or you drink out of a can that tastes terrible or you pour something in and your mates are going, mate, you don't know shit about beer if you think that this is a good beer, um, you're probably not going to have a, a, a good thing. So, and, and unfortunately, cans don't have on the label, um, you know, quick, someone Morning. called Contents James Oman be because shit. I've just come up with the Radio <laughs> Brews News um, ooh, ooh, okay. partner beer. Your mileage may vary. Um, is is, is, yeah. is going to be the name of our beer? Um, yeah, like it, breweries aren't saying on on it. Look, this could be crap. Um, we offer no guarantees. You know, it's it, it's the promise of craft beer, and I'll come to that in in, in you know, right at the very end of um uh, below the fold. But anyway, no. So thank you to um, Nikolai for for, for that. Mm. Excellent. A good point. Well made. That uh, was last one. Yeah. Now uh, Gabs is coming up. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, Kalani Fuller on the Facebook group says, I wonder why Gabs are giving away so many tickets this year. Everyone I know who's bought them has been given two extras. Um, also entered a competition on Instagram yesterday and won three for a different city than what I already have bought for. Um, I thought my chances were pretty good as they seem to be giving them out to everyone. Uh, bre- being the premier craft beer festival in Australia, I don't understand why they are or even need to. I thought that was pretty standard giving out. Free tickets, is that it, it, it seems to be a lot more this year. And I haven't had a chance to speak to Mike to find out about it. But I guess um, so actually somebody, and I, I should have noted who it was in the Facebook group under this, commented that, you know, post-COVID, you know, the, the security and those sorts of things. Um, you know, Andre part- Sammartino, I think it was, Matt, who pointed out that there might be a little bit of uh, tightly puckered sphincter syndrome amongst just event goers generally, like yes, I, I'm I'm going to go. I've put it on my calendar. It's in ink, not pencil. I'm I'm going to go, but I'm not going to buy a ticket until I'm sure that you know it, it's worth the trip and um, th- there's not going to be a a, lock, a snap lockdown. Yeah, yeah, and and as as we've said in the past, Pete, which is which know, is a fair point. The, the the ticket price covers a lot of the hidden cost of running a beer festival. Um, you know, like the toilets and the security and those sorts of things. But it's not the only income stream and I guess you know a, a, a portion of the money that is, that is comes from the, the beer sales at the event and making sure that you know you give the brewers a great return um, on on the investment that they've spent to, to be there by having a big crowd who are there trying exactly um, you know it, and, and it's it's accepting too that it's a symbiotic relationship 
Yep. So it's it, I, I go there because the brewers because there's a, a wide range of brewers and I know I'm going to have a great time and there's all the entertainment that sort of thing and the brewers go oh, I want to be there because of all the brewers and the entertainment it's going to bring a crowd in and we're going to get brand in hand and, and chat to punters and and do a bit of you know face to face marketing and that sort of thing so you you can't have one without the other a big investment in making sure that the brewers are going to be happy with the crowds that they get rather than just sort of looking at jealously at your own you know ticket sales as a source of revenue and you know yeah. again, it, it, it's a big part of what you know what why you know we talked about last week that i think gabs is such a big industry event you know and if you've got a couple of non-beer loving mates who probably wouldn't come to um you know a, a beer festival and fork out you know what the 40 odd dollars to get in yeah oh, mate, I'm, I, I can just go to the pub for free mm. um you know if you've got two free tickets or three free tickets as part of your paid pass and you can rope them in um you know Great for great outreach for, for beer and actually bringing new people to beer as well. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing too, I guess, uh, coming back after a year off, for Melbourne particularly, um, there's that push for, you know, if, if people who have only been to Melbourne Gabs have never been to any of the others, I can, I can understand their reticence in thinking, well, it's not going to be the same. And, and no, it's not. But having been, and I think Auckland was the, the first time we went to Auckland was the first time we realised you can gabify, gabsify um, a, a concrete space. It was the first one, I think, that didn't rely on the Royal Exhibition Building. So if you've only ever been to the REB gabs, um, yeah, it will seem like, oh, it's not going to be the same. And no, it's not going to be quite the same, but you'll be amazed at how much the same it is. If that makes sense, because yeah, <laughs> because it, it's the lighting, it's the dressing, it's the, yeah. the oh way yeah, it's yeah. All set and, up. and we saw that in Brisbane at the huge impersonal um, convention centre space here. It still had the great. Actually, that was the first time uh, Claire came to an I industry did, event. Yeah. I did, yeah. I'm missing this year though. I'm on my holidays, so party for me, everyone. <laughs> well, um, I'll send a shout out then to the uh, the boys at the Sunday sesh. I'm sure they'll be able to um, sneak one in for you. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> if anyone can. Yeah, if anyone can, those lads can. <laughs> Craft beers. Now, this is an interesting one because it's just this, – who, who just added this in? I did. It was a late mm. edition. It came in my emails yeah. overnight. So, okay. mate, I, yeah, I, I just wanted to throw it in there. I'll put the link in the show notes. I'll tease it so everyone can go read it. This is from – Good Beer Hunting, uh, Lily Waite, who is one of the sort of really interesting, um, you know, beer writers out there at the moment. But it, then there was also the, uh, what do they call it, the confirmation bias, because she said a lot that I've been saying over this podcast for the last two or three years to the point that I worry that I'm, you know, the, <laughs> you know wrong um, because no one else is saying this but uh, she calls it craft beer's self-inflicted existential crisis and it was illustrated uh, by a snake biting its own tail um, which is much more political politically uh, you know sort of, or, or much more charged uh, well no much much softer or, than um, oh, okay, my yeah. description that craft beer is disappearing up disappearing its own ass, up its own ass. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's harder to draw but just a couple of the grabs from it craft beer's pitch to the consumer has long been that it is, it is a better product um, because it is not mass-produced. It is not made by some faceless corporation, but by someone with a story. Its position is that you should care about that person and what motivates them, that understanding their process will further your enjoyment. It's an industry that looks to beer's many traditions, but which offers something new and exciting. The beer is worth paying more for by virtue of its crafted status, in other words. 
Craft beer is never intended to compete on price, though. Instead, the sector's reputation for quality and creativity has been used to justify its higher price tags to consumers. The key is convincing new drinkers that their experience is going to be good enough to merit the few extra bucks, a problem that is becoming keener for the industry. And she, that's as part of, I wouldn't say it's a takedown, but she very eloquently pulls together a lot of the threads that we've talked about. You know, you've got brewers that are growing, you've got problems with exploding uh, beer cans and subpar beer. You've got... Um, IP infringements. Uh, IP infringements. Appropriating various pop culture. <laughs> yep. You, you've got breweries Icons. behaving badly, you know, in, in some cases, you know, worse than the, the big breweries that they once um, rebelled against. Trying to sell chunky custard, just wear a blindfold. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that, that sort of thing. So she And she very eloquently, in a fairly long-form piece. Um, so anyone who listens, go read it, link in the show notes, and maybe, um, you know, we can see what discussion I'll, I'll actually post it to the Facebook group now give us your feedback um, yeah. very keen to hear what everyone thinks about it maybe that can become a, um, a segment on Below the Fold next week because it's yeah no it, it really did nicely package a lot of the things that I've been you know the hills that I've been not dying on um, for, the, <laughs> for the last few years um, and it's, it's it, it was nice to see it given a really broad range uh, you know, a, a really wide audience uh, through Good Beer Hunting yeah. Speaking of a whole episode, um, that pretty much is one, mm. I think. A good, good, chunky good little mm. get your teeth into below the fold. Um, covered quite a few topics. So don't forget, guys, if you, um, you know, don't slam the dashboard or, you know, kick the cat that's in front of you as you're out on your walk while you're listening to this. If, you, if something upsets you or if you disagree or if you vehemently agree, um, send us a comment, uh, leave us a, a note, uh, send us an email. Uh, what's the address, Matt, for... Um, is it producer at Bruce News? A producer at Bruce News. But, but mate, anything at brewsnews.com.au will find its way to us because of the <laughs> miracles of modern technology. <laughs> I'm going to send in something now. I'm going to go. So, um, so if you want to send one to. Flog yeah, at. Just, yeah, just to show us you're listening. <laughs> if you want to send one, flog voice at brewsnews.com.au, um, <laughs> um, it'll, it'll, it'll find its, its way. It's through. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, so thank you very much to Cryomalt, to Burkett Fluid Control Systems and to Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging. And the New Zealand uh, Ale Trail. And the New Zealand Ale <laughs> Trail for sponsoring our mailbag. Welcome aboard, guys. Um, and uh, hopefully we can we can throw a bit of your support your way. And uh, so the thing that, that uh, tickles me best in the nicest place is the fact that, yeah, um, just the concept of being able to, to travel, uh, again, mm. is, uh, is very enlightening. Uh, so... Wait. There we go. Don't forget, get your tickets for Professor Pilsner's proliferation of pills. Um, Good Beer Week uh, website, support uh, Bad Shepherd. Um, the boys are nursing her along. It's it's. Um, Craig sent me a uh, – Craig Blackmore, the, the brewer who's uh, created the um, the recipe for me, uh, has said it's been getting plenty of belly rubs and, and words of encouragement. So it's coming <laughs> along well. And we go out uh, next next week to uh, – I'll be out there next week packaging. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll post some photos to the uh, to the group. Oh, please do. Uh, thank you very much, Matt. Thank you, Pete. And thank you, Claire. Cheers, Pete. Enjoy your week. You've got some lovely weather up there, haven't you? We've got typical Melbourne, beautiful Melbourne autumn weather. So it was about 5.2 degrees oh. uh, getting the kids out to school this morning. Um, but it's going to be 20 degrees and it's beautiful and sunny out there now. Um, so it's, it's real layer weather. Melbourne people know what I mean. You, you you start off with four or five layers and you, you slowly shed them during the day and then slowly put them back on again in the afternoon. It's called seasons, guys. Get around it. <laughs>
Yeah, have a good week, guys, no matter what the weather is. And um, I think now, before is Gab Sydney? No, that's uh, next Friday, I think. So we'll, um, uh, we won't have gone to air next week by the time we get to that. But anyway, until then, I'm Pete Mitchum. It's been a pleasure hosting Bruce Newsweek yet again. Until next week, drink fresh, drink local, look after yourselves and each other and wash your damn hands. And we're out. No, I'm not doing it this week, guys. Oh. No, I want to do don't, it in a flog nah, voice. Don't feel like it. Sorry. <laughs> you don't feel like it? <laughs> well, I'm not, not going to yeah. do it because I'm going to get emails if I do. <laughs> don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.